0: Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Ariel Charnes, an influencer and the founder of the brand that finally launched last week, Something Navy. Also joining is Matt Scanlon, Something Navy's interim CEO and the founder of Natum. I wanted to ask Ariel and Matt about the exceptional challenges they faced leading up to the brand's kickoff and the changes they've made to strengthen the brand's foundation beyond an Instagram following. Thank you both for being here.
1: Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, Jim.
0: Of course, Matt. It's been a bit. I feel like was it this year we had you on? Anyway, it was at the office, totally different setup here. <laughs> <laughs> a little and different. It, yeah, Things well, it's changed for sure. Well, welcome back. Um let's talk gosh, the last 4 months. I'm on all the press releases. I'm on all the announcements. I know we've had kind of a March launch date, a June 22nd launch date. Um anyway, delayed 4 months. Also, I I see your your account is now on private. Let's not like sugarcoat it. Some some negative press. Talk talk to me Ariel about the, how the last four months have been for you, um, not not the exception or what was expected, I guess, going in.
1: Yeah, I mean, the last four months were a crazy whirlwind. Um, I was positive for coronavirus. Um, I moved my family to my home out east um, and got a test, which Turned out to be positive, so I, you know, wouldn't change that. But um, there were a lot of things that I could have done differently, and um, you know, I I took some time off social media to sort of reflect and take a step back, and and you know, think about the things I could have done differently and and how I I you know affected my community. And um, it was almost a blessing in disguise. I feel like I learned a lot. I'm growing. And I think that it's made me a lot stronger and something maybe a lot stronger. So it's been crazy, but we finally got to the place where we were able to launch. And what a launch it was. Um, it was pretty incredible. It's pretty surreal still to this day. I'm like, wait, did that actually happen? But um, it's, it's been good. Um, good. Good learning experience and uh, hopefully only up from here.
0: Right on. The audience that you've built, and you don't know these people. Like, I mean, you know, some, I'm sure you have a very engaged community. Um, but again, you're very open about your life, you're under the microscope. Um, is it unfair? uh, The comments are you used to it? First of all, let's start there. I
1: mean, it's, I, I thought I was used to it. Uh, I've you know, in a lot of interviews I've done in the past, everyone's like, How do you handle the criticism? and I'm like, Oh, I just tune it out. But then like the last couple months, I mean, it was very different than what I'm used to. I mean, it was super loud. And, um, you know, what's interesting is that since I've gone private, the amount of people that I've had to remove, like from the community, like while being private, have been so little, which just went to show me that a lot of these people were coming from an outside world. They weren't really my followers. And then again, on Monday, after, you know, the sales were just out of this world they were also not my shopper or my consumer. And so it made me realize that, you know, what a waste these last couple of months. I was so like, I I let down, you know, my my core community. They hate me. They're so upset, but it was really none of them voicing that. They were actually afraid to speak because they were so scared of these people coming in and attacking us. Um, And so what I've learned is that I've, Chosen to only focus on them, and um, that I think is what's going to help me continue to do what I do and and be myself and feel comfortable sharing and being open with my life. Just thinking about people that are here for the right reasons and are you know here to support me and stick by me when I make mistakes while I grow. I'm a human being. I mean, I don't like you know have any bad intentions and. And I do believe that they they know that. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I almost asked why why you think that you're singled out in a way. There's but there's also, you know, this brewing can- cancel culture. A lot right, of folks right. have been singled out. But but why do you think that is? Um, I think that, you know, my
1: account definitely portrays privilege. And um, you know, I've never really stood up, you know, I never spoke out and, you know made a point to say that I'm aware of my privilege and I think that's really what people wanted to hear. Um, and also I think people wanted me to be a little bit more sensitive to what was going on in the world. And I should have been, I just wasn't thinking, I was thinking like, this isn't going to be as serious as they're making it on the news. Like I could just keep doing what I always do. That that's what my mindset was. Um, but really it was, you know, very different. Um, outside of my, my little bubble. And I think my mistake was not being aware and sensitive to that. So, I mean, and yeah, I, listen, I, I, I share uh, my family, you know, good times. I I do share some, you know, negative times, but you know, overall it's a positive place. And, and I think that, you know, a lot of people want that and, and it could come off as. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Privileged, it, yep. privileged. You know, I'm, I'm, I definitely am, and and I think that's um, something that people are definitely targeting right now. So,
0: yeah. So as you're if I local, could, go ahead. If
2: if I could add, you know, fr- from my perspective, I am. I'd like to say more or less an outsider in a lot of ways, um, as I'm, you know, follow Ariel on social media, and in, in for the most part, and. Um, you know, I recognize really quickly that, um, I too did not properly estimate. And I think a lot of people on planet earth did not properly estimate the impact of what was happening. And I don't think anyone could have predicted what's happened over the past five months. I mean, even now I remember being like,
1: oh, it's a, you know, maybe a month or two. And now we were, were talking about it.
2: Yeah. At I mean, dinner
1: before this all happened, I'll never forget it. And, and also, sorry to cut you off, Matt, but. I had coronavirus. And so when I got it, what I was seeing on the news was so different than what I was experiencing. I was experiencing a flu-like virus. And so I felt like, you know, sometimes how the news is like, the weather is going to be horrible, like stock up on your, and then like, it doesn't rain. And so that's kind of like how my mindset was. It's like, I was like, it's the flu, like it's going to be okay. And so I kept continuing on with that thought process because I was actually going through it. Um, but so sorry. Yeah, continue, Matt.
2: Well, no, you know, my, my, I agree with you, but I think that a lot of people would. And and um, when you talk about privilege, you know, I think it's that the thing that needs to be qualified is um, that not, Ariel doesn't show her entire life on social media, right? There's a lot that no one sees, and I'd say the thing that people were asking for and and requesting was humility and gratitude but like that just don't like that's a typical thing to always push forward and come through on social media and i i think um the process that and, and i don't speak for you i'm an outsider like i said kind of and we're friends we talk a lot but like from my perspective that's absolutely been a bigger part of the the, the business now it's a bigger part of how we do everything and, and maybe that just needed to happen um so i, I don't know that's that's been my perspective on everything, but, but also, not like you said,
1: perspective. no. But also, like you said, like you know, because I share so many vulnerable moments and so much of my life, people feel like they do know every single thing about my life. And so, when you're looking at Insta, Insta stories, I'm only posting like tidbits of my day, and so it leaves room for people to assume what's happening in those empty, you know, holes there. And that's sort of what happened here. There was a narrative created around what I had posted, um, when there wasn't the full, you know, story there. So yeah. it was tough. It, it's tough. It's hard to, it's tough.
0: Yeah. Moving forward or lesson learned is like, does that mean maybe when you're posting, com- I guess coming down to earth a little bit more, being more vocal about your values. What are your values? Like Anyway. Oh,
1: my values regarding.
0: Yeah. Like, are you going to be more vocal, uh, vocal about oh. what you support? Uh, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I'm,
1: yes, but yeah. you know, my account is, it's about fashion, and family. I don't like to get into, uh, you know, politics and religion. I never did. um, You know, however, with, you know, all the anti-Semitism going on right now, it's very important for me to speak up regarding that. Uh, since my whole family is Jewish and from Israel, it hits home for me. Um, but I, I try to keep it super low just because my account has been an escape. Um, you know, my followers see it all over. Um, and that's just not, I don't really feel like I'm in the place to educate people. Um, I, I, I wish I could, I just don't feel like I'm the right person to, to take on that role. Um, but what I do, you know, what I do feel knowledgeable about, I, I do try to share, but I try to stay low there.
0: So moving forward, we'll see more of you. The good, the bad, (laughs) never (laughs) ugly. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes. Perfect. Great. We were originally scheduled to record. It was the exact time that your brand was getting going to launch at 10 a.m. on Monday. And I was like, are we doing this? <laughs> I kind of expected it would not happen. But tell me about <laughs> about Monday. <laughs> tell me about that launch day. Uh why did that day make sense? And yeah, tell me about how it went.
1: It was it was crazy. I mean, I I was in a very interesting uh headspace. I feel like I I had been waiting for this day for so long. And I thought I was going to be like, oh my God, oh my God, it's here. But really I was just like taking it all in. It was a lot to take in because we've been working on this for a year. So finally, when that day comes, it feels very like, I don't know, like outer body experience. And so I sort of just sat there and was just watching the computer um, as it hit 9.58 and then 9.59 and then 10. And then I was getting alerts from my e-commerce team giving me updates on sales and how many people were on the site at once. And it was, I was just like, Oh my God, this is really, this is happening. Like this is actually happening. And then within like 30 minutes, we passed our, our goal. And within about two hours, I think that's when we completely sold out. And now it's, it's been amazing because I'm getting all of the pictures and videos of girls trying the clothing on and, and sending me videos of their reaction to opening the packages and just you know, being behind the scenes for the last year and creating these products and just staring at them since we were supposed to launch in April and now finally seeing them on the consumer. It's like the best. I mean, it's worth everything. It's worth the weight. It's worth the hard work. It's worth, you know, the turbulence in between. And and yeah, it's been, it's been amazing.
0: Yeah, congrats. Matt, I want Thank to ask you. you about how you even approach uh I guess inventory. How much of every style do you want to have on hand? There is the the history of, you know, millions of sales in 24 hours. So like do you prepare for that? How do you prepare for that in the corona- in coronavirus? Like while supply chain is maybe uh, all over the place anyway. How what was the what was the game plan?
2: Um, you know, the game plan was changed a couple times, quite honestly. And, um, you know, we had to remain very flexible. While there were expectations around, I thought, how we would perform upon launch. um, And, you know, ultimately that performance is backed up by, in its simplest form, a math equation, right? X amount of followers in a community, uh, X amount of engagement rate, people on site, conversion rate, average order value. That's it, it's not that complicated. That's the math equation. Um, we, we didn't know, right? I mean, like we built a business in every single form from the ground up. We're talking about the guts of an e-commerce machine, fulfillment, supply chain, customer service, the actual e-commerce, um, software stack we put in place is probably the most complex I've ever been involved with. And it was developed almost specifically to manage, um, load speed for a, a large amount of people on site at one time yes. and even then even then we weren't perfect um <laughs> I wish you could have seen my face like because I was like Ariel yeah, we were both watching kind of like pawn launch what was happening and I'm looking at you know the the amount of people on site and and carts getting filled and the the velocity and speed of sales totally broke our back end the front end stayed intact the back end, thank God. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was the uh, the big test. The back end couldn't keep up. People were adding things to cart car at such a rate that people were basically both buying the same exact thing at the same exact time. Um, so that is a very, very unique challenge. There's The point of explaining all that is that there's absolutely no way to plan for any of that. Unless we wanted to build basic e-commerce platforms from the ground up, which we did we use Shopify, um, it would have been almost impossible to plan for. Um, so the result is, one, very exciting. to provides a roadmap for what we need to improve moving forward because with velocity, I mean, a million dollars in 30 minutes on a Shopify site is insane. So, so now we need to prepare our ERP systems, our PLM systems, our CRM, all of these technology solutions and the communication between them, we need to prepare them for that type of velocity on almost a monthly basis, which is oh, a lot of work.
0: <laughs> Good luck to you. I was going to ask if you used Shopify and if you were getting the ding, 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 ding. <laughs> what those dings sound like then. Anyway, interesting. <laughs> um, Matt. It stops I know... dinging. <laughs> um, tell me, Matt, because I know um, you're also... Um, CEO right now of Takoon, your own brand. Um, what resources are shared? Is this a, a, an entirely unique unique team?
1: So
2: and I think um, factory, all that. Yeah, so so the objective for us was to marry the things that kind of we had built and worked on previously with um, kind of what something Navy needed. So for the most part, something Navy is autonomous in how it markets, how it it creates product, art directs everything front end. Um, what we support with from the nautum to Kun side is um, like supply chain operating systems, technology solutions, uh, like the heavy, heavy lifting, customer service technology solutions. Um, we're integrating back office financial solutions, right? The, the piece that makes sure that our math equation makes sense and then adds up and then we can report against. Um, it's kind of the non-sexy um things that you can't really put a lot of IP behind. And when Arielle and I first met, the conversation was really simple. I believe fundamentally that brands are IP. They're the intellectual property of this equation. Um, building a supply chain, using the right fulfillment center, knowing the right pieces to put in place from a team standpoint, and integrating technology is not. Anybody can figure it out. If you know, if you kind of have done it and you know what to look for, you can do it. But building a community around a conversation that is extremely unique relative to both time, um, time and input, uh, I would say is uh, what stands out in my opinion as totally autonomous. I'll also add, we built almost an entirely new team for, for something, maybe it's 27 women um, that are operating everything from production and development through to uh, or managing everything from production and development through to e-commerce, um, design, art direction, partnerships, media, content—you name it—it's
1: insane. It was only four of us when we met Matt. We met <laughs>
0: I was—I was, was going to ask. I—I I was maybe if you—you you did it. This is it. Maybe you didn't bargain for what you got. Maybe because I know—I don't know when your brand was first. I guess it was mentioned, it was it was announced that you were launching your brand, you know, outside of Nordstrom, outside of another partnership. Uh, I think that it said, um, you wanna build a team of 12 to 20 in two years, and now you're at 27. What- what? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, what did you not maybe account for, or, yeah, I guess
1: I, guess I would say we that. We didn't realize, I don't think we realized how fast we were gonna need all of those roles filled. I think yeah. that we were, the goal was to fill the, the most like urgent roles right away within those first two years. But as we kept going, we were like, wait, we really need this right now. We really need this to help, you know, this team. And it just sort of spiraled from there. And now we're fully complete. I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll continue to grow, you know, but right now we're at a really good place. And, and um, actually we just added one more person to help our head designer because it's just, we're trying to, bring in new categories. And we're just we have so many great ideas that we're so excited about that we want to start on. So it's like things like that, you you come up with these, you know, things that you were thinking about doing further down the line. And now we're like, wait, we're so ready to do it now. We'll just add on more people. So it's, it's, yeah.
2: I'll Also add that the business in terms of our strategy became a lot more complex as we started to sit through the data. And so we made some really interesting decisions to straddle between a media business, a lifestyle media business, and a lifestyle brand that produces its own product. And that formula, where those two things connect, is something totally new for me. I just generally understand business unit economics, understand how to build an e-commerce business, kind of a supply chain, etc. But um, where we were marrying that against what we believe is a very robust media business um, that's where the complexity really begins. And that's first and foremost, how we developed our marketplace. So we put in a marketplace solution using, um, the miracle, uh, platform miracles, a third party SaaS solution that, uh, basically allows you to build in a, a uh, marketplace solution. We did that because of a very simple interaction that takes place on the front end of the brand, which is. Ariel will show her favorite brands, right? It doesn't have to be the things we make, it'll be um, every form.
1: Yeah, style around the something maybe pieces.
2: Nice. And and everything across the full spectrum of lifestyle, I would say, right? And what we recognized was it was really inefficient to continually be sending through affiliate links Customers and followers all over the the internet. When we could build a solution that would be just as profitable for our partner, but make the customer transaction more smooth um, on the front on the front end. And so once we decided, okay, we're going to do that. We built out the platform. All of a sudden, there's a host of hiring hiring needs that need to happen. All right. Well, then to accommodate that, we need a much more robust content machine. Okay. So we got to put in those folks. Um, (laughs) And it definitely scaled a bit past where we wanted, but I will add, um, this business is still extremely profitable and that's because our contribution margin is incredible. It's not because we take these huge gross um, gross margins on our products it's because we don't have to spend money on marketing. And in my experience, building a direct consumer business, um, that's the number one cost, brand development costs and marketing costs. Right. And that's what a lot of these brands can get out of their way on. And we look at this business and there's zero marketing costs to sell a million dollars in 30 minutes, we spent zero dollars on marketing. I mean, like, it's hard to even say that out loud. It's insane. So, yeah. um, oh, our, the way we- The pressure is the strap, on, <laughs> right? You know, just the little. Next job
0: is, you know, we can have- Marketing money. is all on <laughs> you. Know?
2: No, no pressure Ariel. y'all. Uh, but but the, the, the reality is then what we do is we, um, substitute those high marketing costs for really beefing up and improving our team and yep. you know as i look back around, uh, through my career i mean that's something that kind of always made a lot of sense really focus on people focus on team and talent avoid high marketing costs and then you have a much more scalable profitable business opportunity
0: Yes, I know of Miracle. I think uh, Felix Capital invested in it. that's why I know it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, tell me a little bit about that um, that marketplace. Um, how do what's the business model? you get a cut of the sales? Is it um, also like a, a testing ground for what you want to launch next um, if they're buying into like necklaces or you know shoes?
2: I think the the number one with number one thing we think about when we talk about marketplace is customer experience. Um, I love to kind of say, we have some like data captured thing and we're trying to understand what works best but really it's what's the best interaction for our customer and i've always found when it comes to business if your number one priority is your customer um you're a lot more streamlined in your thinking so one best way to um, improve that uh conversion interaction from a customer perspective two Um, It allows us to really expound on the brand opportunity um, and create opportunities for our partners to also um, cross-market from a media perspective with us and see direct returns from their marketing spend. You know, a lot of people look at media opportunities, whether it is with a traditional media brand or with an influencer, as brand awareness. Really hard to calculate your conversion specifically. Um, that was always my problem, right? Saying, okay, well, you know, we could spend $100,000 with Condé Nast. We could spend $100,000 with this influencer. Um, but, you know, we're just going to chalk it up to brand awareness, top of the funnel. We don't really know what we get back on it. This alternative is the most streamlined format for our brand partners to also market as well. Yeah. Um, so they can say, okay, I spent X and I made X out. For us, it's, it's small profit share opportunity as well. But... Fundamentally, it's about um, customer experience and uh, creating a better platform for our brand partners.
0: Yes. And I also
1: feel like the perk, too, is like once you're in that Something Navy community, it's like family to me. So like I organically am just always like pushing those products, too, because I don't know, it feels like a part of the Something Navy world at that point. So there's a plus side also.
0: On they want to complete their look in what you're wearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so. Ariel, Matt and I have talked in the past about, you know, the perks of um, working with someone with a built in following. He just mentioned it, the customer acquisition costs, which is like everything uh, are cut. Can you talk about? I don't know. Obviously, that's huge. But then also you already have a following. Maybe you're not allowed to make the mistakes that a new follow a a new brand founder can make. Does that make you less risk averse? Do, Do you feel that or how would you describe that? honestly no I feel like
1: the whole the whole reason as to why something maybe got to where it is today is because I've just I I've tried so hard to I mean I actually didn't even try hard to not think about that I just am very much unapologetically myself except for these last couple of months you know I, I do feel badly for not being more aware of things but um most of the time I'm just you know Being me, I I give up control in a lot of the areas that I don't feel like I'm, you know, super strong in. And that's why I have such an amazing team because I kind of let them do what they're really good at. And it allows me to just focus on what I love doing and what makes me happy, which is putting together great looks, making great product, communicating and engaging with my consumer. Um, And I could just be fully focused on that. And I'm just, you know... Every day, I have a million different phone calls just being brought up to date and and you know showing me different ideas and, and new concepts and and t- talking to different partners. So I'm I'm involved in all areas, but I I, I really give up the control to let them all handle you know the things that I might not be, you know, hundred yeah. percent skilled
2: at. If I could give you a compliment, Ariel, you know, oh, I God. think well. <laughs> As I think, you know, I've worked with a lot of executives and the number one quality that I think helps streamline an organization is self-awareness, a real firm understanding of not of knowing what you don't know and having trust in the people you hire to um, fill that gap in information. And I think Ariel has done that from day one. I don't know how to do X, Y, and Z. Matt, do you know how to do that? I don't know how to do this. You commerce thing. Caroline, you do that um, or whatever it is. And and the reality is that creates a level of efficiency where everyone knows what their job is. And there's not a lot of like, I'm going to do your job for right. you or right. ego involved in that process. The best executives can take ego out of it, have self-awareness about uh, what their team can do and what they can do. It creates efficiency, allows the business to grow faster. And Ariel's done that from day one.
1: And I also feel like it makes everyone want to like communicate more and, and, involved more in different areas so it's it's actually really
0: nice nice was this um can you tell me a little bit about the business model ariel is it the drop model every two weeks was that the the original plan going in and eventually maybe partnering with a retailer oh yeah what's what's going on with
1: distribution i guess so we no so the two weeks is just this situation right now um because we were of course supposed to launch in april um but it was also a really, I'm, I'm glad we were able to do that because I feel like a lot of people did miss out on some of their favorite pieces from this first launch. So to be able to give them another one and a larger one in, in two more weeks, or actually now it's next week, is, I mean, makes me so happy because it makes them so happy. But the plan is we're launching about every month, every 30 to 40 days. Um, we did talk about wholesale, but I don't think we're there yet. Um, I think we want to sort of keep it more exclusive for now. Um, really build in the something navy community on our website, but it's not out of the question. Yeah, if that makes sense.
0: That does yeah. make sense. What's the <laughs> plan for retail? I know there's a photo of like your storefront. Is that opening yeah. soon? Is there a plan for more?
1: We yeah, we're planning to open uh, hopefully early fall. Um, the store is you know almost ready to go, but we just want to make sure it's the right time. We want to respect how everyone. You know, feels about coming together and, and being in a public space, but um, I think the plan is early fall as of now. But you know, it, it could change. Yeah, I think you early to fall in. as
0: well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So Matt, I know uh, we've talked a lot about your uh, DTC direct uh, that business model. I don't know. Are you are you ch- are you wavering in terms of what you think works? Just the, the one question I had that popped up in the last week um, was Takoon and him teaming with the Vogue uh, Common Thread on Amazon. And I know that that's happening. Um, but anyway, wh- what what's your belief about direct and does it have limitations?
2: So I've always uh, been a proponent of omni-channel. Mm-hmm. I think uh, limiting yourself long term to a single distribution channel is extremely risky. Um, Additionally, specifically within retail, in my experience and kind of the research I've done, scale, the type of scale that we like to see, um, comes from exploiting every distribution alternative possible to create a mix that ultimately improves profitability for the organization. Um, So back to that kind of question around what distribution is going to look like for this business Yes, there is a drop model for retail, uh, there's a drop model for e-commerce, cl- we kind of uh, classify all of that as direct to consumer, there's absolutely a timeline for a large retail partner down the line, um, and there's probably things that we don't even know about such as marketplace and, and you know other channels that become more and more valuable. Um, the world for retail <coughs> is changing. And the opportunities are in some areas becoming more limited and in other areas they're expanding. Um, Again, I go back to kind of one primary thing. If you make a good product, right, and it is positioned appropriately for your customer, then the opportunity to diversify your distribution is infinite. As long as you're focused on what the customer wants and creating that relationship between what you make and what they want, um, I think... Um, regardless of where trends emerge or opportunities develop within the larger macro picture for retail, you can be there at the right time.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Ariel, tell me about your—I uh, guess—leaning on Instagram. Is, is Instagram everything? Are you maybe looking to build—I don't know—a TikTok TikTok following? Is—is is Instagram everything? <laughs> I mean, it's definitely
1: played a huge role um, in something, maybe. But I, you know, I did start before, in, like four years before Instagram launched. And that is where I initially grew my following. But, um, you know, I, I love Instagram because it's that, it gives my followers that quick fix. Um, however, with the new Something Navy, the website, I, I do want to move a lot of what I do there just because it's it's so nice to have everything in one place, to be able to see the look, go right to the next slide and shop it um, but you know, I do, I like concern because it shows behind the scenes of like my life and my family. Um, those little video clips, like stories for me is definitely my strongest, uh, area, but I honestly, it's, it's just something I, I enjoy personally. And I don't think that I would ever be able to give it up. Yeah. I love it.
0: Yeah. Do you, are you going to take your account off of private soon? <laughs>
1: I wasn't uh, following you before. I need to follow you. <laughs> oh, I'll accept you. No, I am. Um, honestly, I, I don't plan to. Um, I, you know, I, I've garnered a really fantastic community. And, you know, these last couple months, there's been a lot of, and not just towards me, but in general, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, seen, but so much hate going on and, and so much anger. And I wanted to protect my community and I wanted to protect myself. Um, and, you know, I've seen a really strong reaction from my followers, uh, that they really appreciate that I did that. I mean, I'm not trying to be this public famous celebrity. I just want to, you know, maintain my strong community, continue to do what I enjoy doing. And since I've gone private, I feel like I've really been able to connect back to that. And, um, it's been such a positive space. Whereas the last couple of months it wasn't, and so I, I I do want to keep it that way, and I don't know you know what's going to happen with social media or the world for that matter, but I know that what's what I'm doing now is working. So,
0: yep, yeah, we're gonna take a quick break. Stay with us. Um, so we talked about distribution. Um, we talked about marketing and no pay at launch, no pay moving forward. Is there are there plans to maybe do a commercial, do marketing beyond your Instagram? I think, yeah,
1: there's definitely plans, but for now, I mean, this is like my favorite job, you know, like marketing the products that I'm creating. I mean, I live for this. So, I mean, as long as I, you know, can, hopefully I'll be pregnant soon. I don't know if I'll be able to model all the clothing at that point, but, um, you know, what we do want to put marketing dollars towards, I think, you know, is making, the clothing, having the clothing being worn by many different kinds of women um, and making sure that we're inclusive and diverse. And I want everyone to feel like they can wear Something Navy. You know, it's tough when people just see it on me. Um, so Something Navy's platform is definitely, you know, we're putting together really fun shoots and campaigns. So that that's something I'm looking forward to. But yeah, it's, it's in the conversation for sure.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask about a diverse... Um, lineup of influencers. That's cool that you're working with other influencers. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: I love bringing that community together, you know,
0: and a lot of the
1: girls who work for me are sort of becoming influencers in their own, you know, they're they're growing followings, you know, people really, you know, what I love about Something Navy is the team is sort of, you know, branches off of me and people get super attached to different women's stories. And so that's really nice to um, offer the, the community, you know, different, I guess, I don't know the word, but different like roads to go down, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Who did you look for with talent? Who, who is there diversity in house? Uh, was it the fact that they're kind of influential? That is that a quinky dink or is that intentional? <laughs> I think it's, I don't know. I think it just worked out that way. Right, Matt?
2: A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, there, it wasn't, a ton of like, um, intention in terms of like, we have to do this thing. I don't, like, I don't think we thought about it. We're like, this person is talented. Let's bring them on board. Was right like it's, for the role. Yeah. 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 I don't, we don't prescribe either negatively or positively one direction or the other, someone has to be like this or look like that. That's insane. Yeah. Um, it's about talent. Right. And I think. That's the conversation we want to be having. Is that regardless of the role, whether it is an e-commerce manager or a social media manager, someone who's more on camera, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We talent. do.
1: I think we do also, you know, want to take more action when it comes to hiring more diverse women because you know it is a. There are a lot of white women on the team, uh, brunettes. You know, all you know, similar looking, but. I think that could also scare some women, some, you know, black women or Latino or Asian women to apply. And so I do want to, you know, be a little bit stronger with my actions as to searching and looking a little bit harder rather than waiting for, you know, them to apply and and feeling nervous to do so. I feel like it definitely takes more on my end as well, which I didn't do in the past. Um, And that is something that I want to change going forward. Yes.
0: Do you yeah. guys have members? Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Well, no, I mean, like, you know, if anything, everything that's happened, um, it, you know, has definitely made it something more important for like, like, we knew it, right? But like, it's time that we actually start taking action. An example. Like yeah. Uh, you know, I think immediately Ariel and I, we looked at each other like, this is an opportunity to like set an example, like, like, let's help foster things in the right direction. We're not going to be perfect. No one's Perfect, but at least let's set an intention, set a goal. Let's be transparent about that goal. And let's make sure we're, we're sharing with people what we want to do. And maybe that can help yeah. set an example for where things should go.
1: And we listen to the constructive criticism, not the, the you know, the attacks, but we listen to the feedback. And that's you know how we've built this brand. So, you know, we're always ears open and, and wanting to grow. So it's actually helpful to hear back from our followers what they want to see and what we can improve on.
0: Yeah, there was a comment out there. I don't know if it was a feedback or an attack. So hopefully I'm <laughs> sorry if you hate this. But anyway, okay. about, about the tr- level of transparency on, on the site, is there, are there plans to put more, more information out there about um, your factories and about your production? And um, yeah, is that to come?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. A thousand percent.
0: Good. It it Sustainability, sustainability. Excuse me, is a is a focus. <laughs> um, is that again? I was. That's why. That's where I was going with the Naadam question too, because I know that's very core to the brand. Um, will that be a focus moving forward? Is that a focus now?
2: Hundred thousand um, percent. You know, we built the manufacturing base for something navy using the same exact set of standards and values we use to build Nodums. Um There are core things that are requisite to not only how we've built these businesses, but how the industry should be building businesses. That is proper certifications from your manufacturing partners around both living wages, working conditions, chemical usage, dye usage, electricity usage, carbon emissions. These are things that are critical and we want to make sure that whoever we work with at the bare minimum has a high standard and level of certification around their manufacturing. Um, I've also always said, That when it comes to sustainability, it's really important for brands to specifically define what sustainability means to them. Because it means something different to probably everyone on this phone call. And the reality is, you know, for us, we've set these goals and standards around the type of manufacturing we're going to use, the type of materials and fabrics we'd like to use. Having said that, we also know, and anybody that knows anything about sustainability within fashion knows, um, to do it 100% is nearly impossible. Right? And so it's about setting intention, setting goals for yourself, but then being transparent about where you are meeting those goals. Being 20% of 100% is fine as long as you set what 100% means to you and that you're clear that you're at 20%. Right? So, So that's how we think about it.
1: And also, I mean, I feel like a lot of people are, you know, those comments are coming from, you know, people who just follow me. If you followed something, Navy, we had our entire production and design team come on. And talk about all the factories that make our producer clothing, how they visited each and every one, made sure that they were meeting certain standards and talked about what we're focusing on, you know, in regards to sustainability and some of our exciting, you know, programs that we're launching, like our rose collection, we're making these like incredible basics and t-shirts out of rose petals. It's like the coolest thing in the entire world. But if you were a true follower, not you, but I'm saying like (laughs) people saying these things, if you were a true follower and you followed something maybe, watched our stories, tuned in all the time, you would know we talk about that all the time. So that's why like those kinds of things, I sort of just tune out because it's, you know, if you don't know it, then you're not really my follower. However, I did take that, you know, those comments and I thought maybe we should find a space on the website to have it live there in case they missed um, certain stories or, or conversations regarding it.
0: Definitely. Last question for you both, uh, running low on time, but I'll, I'll start with you, Matt. Um, tell me what, I, I don't want to use the term, the new normal, but like prior to, I just did prior to <laughs> <laughs> 2020, um, maybe how you saw the retail world, how you saw brands. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about kind of, um, yeah, changes, how you're changing your approach, how anyway, changes beyond, uh, 2020.
2: So, you know, I think what I've learned thus far is how to build in ambiguity into decision making almost at, within every aspect of our organization. So supply chain is a great example. Traditionally, you manufactured um, the same place that you developed your product. But given the global climate, we've had to s- s- go to a manufacturer to develop for us and say, we can't produce with you, you're closed. So we have to find somebody else that we have to start developing and producing with. Right. So creating variable opportunities within an existing system to combat long-term ambiguity has become very crucial. And So as we think about how we're projecting out 2021, it is building systems and processes that almost harness that ambiguity, whether it's distribution-related or manufacturing-focused, um, to create alternatives so that we're not habitually either pushing out launches redoing content creation, uh, rethinking merchandising strategy. Um, It is basically building in a buffer for things that we don't know um, are going to happen. And I don't think that that's retail focused. What I'm really talking about is just business in general, whether you're in retail or real estate. Um, These are some of what I found in my conversations to be the new norm uh, as it pertains to business operations.
0: You said air for the
1: curveballs.
0: Yes, I mean left and right. Uh, and Ariel, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't pick. While Matt was talking, I was listening. Your biggest, I guess, your goal for the year, also maybe your biggest challenge. If you could address both.
1: Ooh, um, goal for the year. I guess to expand into the other categories we were talking about. Well, wait, are we talking about 2020 or through 2021? Let's say the halfway year is starting now. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So expanding into the other categories um, and really, you know, creating a, a, a strong community on something maybe with the brands that we partner with. Um, biggest challenge, I mean, I guess figuring out, and I, I don't want to use new normal either, but how to navigate this new normal, especially with work. Um, fittings and design and all of that comes up. That's that's been challenging, but um, I, I guess finding out ways to make it super efficient and enjoyable at the same time while working from home because we're not going back to the office for a while. So I think that's been my biggest challenge.
0: Are you guys on Zoom? What's yeah. the, what's the go-to? A Zoom. <laughs> a lot of Zoom. <laughs> a lot of Zoom, of Zoom. And you're on Zoom again right now. But tell me again the categories. <laughs> what's the next category? Or what categories can we expect? So in
1: July, well, during for the second launch, we're we're introducing swim, um, which okay. we're really excited about. Uh we're talking about can Matt am I allowed? Right?
0: It will be live true. on Wednesday <laughs> of next week. Wednesday next week?
1: <laughs> what do we do? I mean, it's, I mean, people know I mean, everyone knows what I want to branch into. So it starts from beauty to home decor to kids, uh, athleisure. So we have a lot of plans. Um but I think it's maternity. Oh, maternity. That's a big one too. Yeah. We're we're actually focusing on like adding in maternity friendly pieces to a lot of our collections. Um, so that's, that's a a big goal. Maternity one would be great.
0: As the influencer, I I keep talking. One more question As the influencer, uh, (laughs) industry is changing. Like if you, it's essential as it's changing. This is right. I wouldn't say it's a safety net, but this is something that all influencers should be doing as the as the industry evolves, would you say? I'm
1: so grateful that we started doing this last year. I, I mean, I feel so lucky that uh Matt and I found each other and we started this, you know, career path a year ago. But I do think that I mean, ultimately I I, I can only speak for myself, but that is the goal is to you know, be able to create something for the community that you've built as an influencer. However, you know, I I love partnering with brands and uh, giving my stamp of approval on products that, you know, I think my followers would love. So I I don't want to ever lose that. But I think the marriage of the two is something every influencer should do.
0: Well, thank you both. This was a great conversation.
1: Amazing. Thanks, Jill. Thank you.
0: That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Don't forget that we're offering Glossy Podcast listeners 20% off an annual Glossy Plus membership, giving you unlimited access to fashion and beauty stories. Use the code podcast at checkout. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.